I always think about this uh, saying that great leaders don't set out to be great leaders. They set out to make a difference and they become great leaders in the process. So what we do and, and what I recommend is start with something that breaks your heart. Start with a result or an experience or some kind of transformation that you want to make happen. You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll know that I'm constantly on the move, whether it's to go to my own events or to speak at the events of many of my clients and partners. And although traveling can take its toll, I have to say that it's one of my favorite aspects of my job because not only do these events provide me with the perfect opportunity to share my insights on topics such as transformation, supply chain resilience, sustainability, and diversity, they also allow me to meet all kinds of fascinating people. And of course, I enjoy speaking with everyone I meet, but from time to time, I'm lucky enough to meet a kindred spirit, which is the case with this week's guest, Amir Ganadi. Amir and I met this year in Belgium at the Association of Supply Chain Management's Connect event in Brussels. And as soon as I read his bio, you're going to see why he and I got on so well. Amir is a leadership development specialist with over three decades of hands-on experience in leadership and organizational development. He spent 30 years working in manufacturing and supply chain for companies like Procter & Gamble, Sunny Delight Beverages Company, and the Campbell Soup Company. And following his roles in supply chain, Amir decided to launch his own consulting firm, the Ganad Group. And in 2015, he wrote a very successful book, The Transformative Leader, which explores the best way to harness your inner leader. During this episode, Amir and I discuss our meeting at ASCM Connect 2023, the difference between a manager and a transformative leader, and how to transform culture by positively influencing your peers. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Amir, welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Maria. Thanks for having me. So you and I first met in Brussels a couple of months ago at the Association of Supply Chain Management's first European event. And I was blown away by your speech, by what you talked about. And it, funnily enough, it coincided with a lot of the things that I found at the event. But before I get talking about that, what was your biggest takeaway from that event? You know, I'll just share with you kind of a, a broad something that was, I would say, a few years ago would have been a surprise to me. But now I've gotten used to uh, the fact that at these events, we're not just talking about gadgets and widgets, if you will, that more and more people or speakers are bringing perspectives such as yourself. It was really refreshing to me uh, to also have you kind of put a great deal of emphasis on the value of people and organizations. And, And so I have to admit that for this particular event, I was going to several different events. So I helicoptered in or flew in and and spoke at my uh, uh, engagements and attended a few, but not the entire session. But nonetheless, I was blown away by the fact that there is a growing 
emphasis on people and culture. You know, what stood out from, to me about both about your session, but I'll, and I'll get into that, but in general was that almost every conversation, every question that someone had, right? Whether it was at my session, your session, other people's sessions was sort of like, look, Hey, yeah, I buy into sustainability. I'd love to do it. Or, Hey, yeah, I buy into transformation. I'd love to do it, but my boss won't let me, or my boss won't buy into it. My team won't buy into it. I felt that there's a lot of stuckness, right? And so going to your session, one of the things that I loved about it was when you talked about how we victimize ourselves to some degree, that this is our issue, my issue. I'm a victim. Oh no, I want to do transformation. I want to invest in this, but no one buys into this. So could you expand a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, I, I share the same sentiment. I were, I, you know, as I speak all around the world, the one thing that is common is people come to me, they say, I get it, but my boss doesn't, how do I do this? And so on and so forth. And, you know, having been there myself, where I have been kind of a, uh, I don't know, a right-brained engineer all of my career and had a master's in mechanical engineering, but very early in my career discovered the value of, you know, people and cultures. But in a 31-year manufacturing and supply chain career, as you can imagine, I had bosses who just wanted to kind of do the, you know, all the tough stuff and all of this kind of stuff, the technical stuff, and they didn't see the value. And so I always tell people, I said, listen, you know, I, I totally understand. I know you didn't really make this up and it exists, but you've got to start with yourself. The question is, you know, if it's something that you truly cannot tolerate, you've got to get in touch with what it is you're going to do about it, right? And, and so sometimes, honestly, it's, you know, I speak from my own experience. It's easier to complain about our boss rather than sort of taking, take a chance to make a suggestion and you know, I've been guilty of it, but I've also been the beneficiary of people in my organization sort of looking me in the eye, I was their boss, and giving me some really direct feedback that, that turned out to be something really great for me and for them. One quick thought that I would just share with you that I often talk about in my uh, workshops, which I think it really is, is uh, hopefully going to be help, helpful to the, speak, uh, to the listeners. Uh, here's the thing. I always tell people, I say, you, you tell yourself two lies. Okay, please consider that you tell yourself two lies. The first thing is, I don't know what else to do. I've been banging my head against this wall. I just don't know what else to do. And I often offer people a thousand bucks. I say, okay, you know what? If I gave you a thousand bucks right now, could you come up with one more idea? You don't have to do it. Could you come up with one more? And just what everybody says, yes. Right? So for the right prize, you could come up with one or more idea. The second lie we tell ourselves is, I can't do it. Okay, I know what to do, but I can't do it. And I can't puts me in a position of being a victim. And I say, look, if you don't want to do it, because when you say I can't, you really mean I don't want to because you've got some reasons. Just own up to it. I, you, I, we don't want you to go throw yourself in front of every tra uh, freight train, but please own up to it and say, I don't want to. And that way you set yourself free from being a victim and saying, you know what, I've made a choice not to do what it takes to solve this problem. Therefore, I'm going to treat it as an immovable object that I'll work around. So those are just a couple of thoughts I would share. I, and I love it. I mean, I, it coincides. And, and I love talking to you, by the way. So when we met, I felt, I felt, and then we, you and I've had a conversations afterwards, and I think, oh my gosh, we're both talking about the same thing here. There's so much transformational stuckness. I can't think of a better word for it, but just blockages. Just so, so much failure. I mean, you know, the, the big old McKinsey stat about 70% of transformation uh, challenges or uh, initiatives fail. So there's a lot of failure here. And, and 
although we can talk about the shiny objects, the tech, and we can talk about the processes and so forth, but I think at, at the heart of it is the person. So going back to what you just shared, one of the things I always say, and I use this both on my personal life, my professional life, um, I use this in all aspects of different places, and that is that I think a lot of the reasons why people get depressed or unhappy or dissatisfied is because of the narrative or story they've told themselves about how things should be. And so if my boss doesn't buy into this, it sh he should buy into this or she should because it's a great idea. I've had I've put in a lot of work into this and it makes sense and and so and so said it was a good idea. So this this narrative we tell ourselves is also something that's getting in the way and it, and it coincides with what you're saying there as well. Yes, this this word should. I mean, I'm telling you, you and I think so so much alike. And uh, I was just like literally three days ago, I was coaching someone, and I talked to them about this word should. And I, I told them, I said, listen, you know what? The only way that you go from here to what should be is your only starting point is what is. So yes, maybe it should be a certain way, but you're either committed to it. In which case you start right where you are and you make it happen or you say you know what it's not worth it it's not worth the risk it's not worth the effort and all that and be honest with yourself and declare what i call a zero commitment because somewhere between zero and hundred is this thing i call 50 50 and it's very disempowering where i say i'm committed but i'm really not and i turn myself into a victim i i hear you I want to move now towards the following words, talking about leadership, right? So we hear the words interchangeably of manager, director, leader, boss, all of these words. And then, and then you said something about becoming a transformative leader. So what's the, what are the big differences here? Yeah, so, so let me start by kind of distinguishing what I often talk about, the difference between change and transformation. You know, change is absolutely necessary. We must get good at it. We must lead it. We must adapt to it. Otherwise, we won't survive. But change is about starting with what is and making changes and improvements and fixing things and all of that, which is, again, having lived in a supply chain world for 31 years uh, in my corporate career, I know is a fact of life. But the other aspect of sort of change on a bigger scale is what I call transformation, which is discontinuous, which is kind of stepping out into the future, envisioning that future and looking back, identifying some of those milestones that you must reach. And so, you know, while every transformation involves change, not every change amounts to a transformation. So going back to these words, manager and leader, I think managing is a big part of everyone's role to make sure that all the pieces come together so that we deliver the results, we address the issues and so on and so forth. Now, something above that, for me, what distinguishes leadership is how we actually do that work. Do we do it just to get by and keep our nose above the water or do we do it while we build capability in our systems and our people and, and that people element comes in more, I think, with leadership uh, in that, you know, you're not just trying to get the job done. You're getting in touch with sort of how you get the work done. And when it comes to transformative leadership, to me, then that it involves a, a transformative vision. I mean, it's something that is not just trying to improve things, but creating breakthrough and a step change that 
requires, in my opinion, being unreasonable, right? Being unreasonable, not in a way of like uh, being a jerk or whatnot, but it's like we have, whenever I think of some big things I want to make happen, I think of all kinds of reasons why it's not going to happen. So being unreasonable has to do with acknowledging those reasons, but moving forward anyway and inspiring people to grow, to be the kind of person who delivers those kind of extraordinary results. And that to me is transformative leadership. Making the impossible happen, right? So uh, making the impossible possible, all of those things. I, I hear you. And, and so we've got the transformational leader. Now we need the transformational culture because there are a lot of organizations that sort of speak big words, uh, have a lot of lovely mission statements on their walls, but when it comes to real transformational culture or the kind of culture that allows transformation, let's discuss what is that and then how do we get there? Yeah, so, so you know, there's an old saying that I really love that says every organization is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. Now, sometimes we don't like it. We might say, well, what kind of an idiot designed this thing? But it doesn't happen because somebody sat down and said, let's design for mediocrity. It just happens over time to where we end up with a design. So, And so if you want different results, not just in terms of KPIs, but people satisfaction, growth, development, whatever you want to call it, uh, you've got to shift your culture because every result that the organization gets is the direct outcome of your culture. It's, and the way I think about culture is it's a culmination of all the behaviors. If I was a fly on the wall and I was watching, what do I see that's happening? Do, are people solving problems to root cause or are they band-aiding and moving on? And are they collaborating across functions or are they just kind of staying in their own silos? And so there are two levers, in my opinion, to just at the risk of oversimplifying, but to me, sometimes we overcomplicate. And, and in this case, I think it's important to say there are two levers. One is your systems, processes, and policies that you have in place that will cause people to behave one way or another. The other is leadership capability at all levels of the organization. Like literally from the individual contributor on the front line all the way up to the, to the CEO and whatnot, really, do they truly understand and embrace the, the principles of effective leadership? And when you put sort of that process excellence and leadership attitudes and behaviors together, then you transform the culture to deliver the breakthrough results that you're after. You know what gets me is that we've been talking about, not just us, probably anybody in business about culture for a very long time, right? But one of the things I say is that we're living in an era which is kind of like a perfect storm of transformational change because of multiple, say, macro factors, macro forces, mega trends, things like the speed of technological change. You know, Gen I is coming in and changing things faster than we've ever seen it. So culture really does need to change and adapt to operate in a kind of volatile, fast-paced, moving transformational era that we live in. So do you think it's time that companies stop talking about this transformational, you know, BS to some degree that they think they're buying into and actually start acting to to survive or thrive? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, for me it's it's not about learning a set of rules or ways of operating and then sticking to those saying, "Hey, I'm being transformative." 
and, and that's really is it to me it's about leading by principle you know when we had the global pandemic i clearly witnessed that the companies that were sticking to managing by rules weren't doing so great because it's like okay circumstances have changed and now we don't know how to operate we're trying to make those rules we're trying to force fit those rules but those who were operating by principles they were doing a whole lot better so so for me it's it's about really acknowledging that whether it's a new generation or you know people at various levels of the organization who have been whose voices have not really been heard and they've been ignored it's like how can we bring this entire organization together in, in service of a uh, a transformative you know uh, outcome and a set of experiences and make it happen and that requires agility it requires constant learning and being alert to what is changing and being open uh, to being flexible so yeah it's it's time to get beyond sort of checking the box if you will that's what I meant about this BS, you know, this sort of this just talking about it and not actually doing it, you know, just creating a lovely statement that goes on the wall, but not creating the actual culture there. And and I'm going to put you on the spot here. You don't have to give any names, but you must see a lot of things that go wrong. You must see certain examples of the types of cultural or transformational failures that we hear about all the time. Is there any way that you can think of some things and then maybe some advice that you would give to leaders, managers, executives to to help avoid those pitfalls? Yeah, I mean, I, I, what I will tell you is, you know, what I, I tend to not make, uh, you know, form a lot of opinions about things that, that I read because I don't really know the ins and outs, but I can tell you uh, that I have worked with a variety of uh, clients and I've begun to sort of develop a, a sense for who's really committed and who wants to just dip their people in some training and they think that their people are wrong and, and they just need to be fixed. Sorry, I got to interrupt you. I love that. Dip people into training. That is so right. Some managers just go, oh, I'm just going to dip my people into training and everything will be solved. I love that. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no problem. No, no. And, and so to me, that's sort of a, a broad way of looking at it, which has helped me really select my clients, right? Because if somebody comes to me and I sense that they're just trying to dip people in something and fix their people, uh, what I do first is you know, work with them to say, look, I think it's really important for you to be able to embrace these ideas and concepts that we talk about as a leadership, and then we will basically cascade it in the organization. And, and so I position it that way and, and you know, I, I I have to reveal my secret in that I I sometimes wrap what people want, what what people need, and what people want. Right? They come and want they want leadership development, but what they really need is like, yeah, you need to actually not just do leadership development like training, but you know, do you have a clear vision? Are you behaving that way? So I I try to get them to do that. But if they flat out refuse and say, listen, this all we need is for you to come and essentially fix those people. They don't use those words. But when I sense that, I respectfully decline because I say, you know what, it's a waste of your time, your money and my time. And at this point in my career, I really don't want to be a part of that. Right. And, and so I think that's really, really important to recognize that leadership development and culture transformation is not some project that you give to a few champions in the organization or you bring some consultant in and say, hey, fix this. 
while you're doing everything else. Culture transformation has got to permeate everything that you do and everything that you are. Can I tell you a story that might resonate a little bit? So I was, I was in charge of an office that was failing once. It was actually, I was brought in to save an office that was failing in a regional location. And I remember looking in and thinking, oh my God, this is so much bigger than me. There's so much to do. And I was sitting in my office. I had a couple hundred people under me sitting in my office thinking, if this doesn't change, they're going to shut us down. And I thought all of these people who are making plans about their lives, getting married, having children, their livelihoods depends on my ability or inability to solve this. And the only thing I could think of, I couldn't see a clear way forward. I really promise you, I couldn't say, if you told me to write down a plan, I couldn't think of it. What, what I did is the only thing I knew what to do. I locked my office, I shut it, brought, well, took stuff out, locked my office and went straight onto the floor of the office. It was an open plan space. And I said, this is how I know how to do things. And I went into an area, commercial area, because that's my background. And I said, you know what, guys, you're just going to watch me do it. I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here and you're going to watch me how I do this. And let's set the pace together. And we did that for about three months. Let me tell you that after six months of working, we overtook every other division out there because it was just, I felt that a leader shouldn't be someone that maybe doesn't have the best, the best articulated plan. But I think a leader, like you said, going back to some of the things you said at the beginning, is adaptable, is flexible, is willing to fail and willing to get out there and demonstrate change. And I think I think we don't see enough of that. And and so the reason I, I tell you this story is because it reminded me early, relatively early in my career when I did this, because I felt so unprepared and I felt I don't know how to articulate this, but you know what? I do know how to do something, roll my sleeves up and I'm just going to get out there and we're going to make it happen. And maybe that's simplistic too, but do you think we don't see enough of that? Do you think we don't see enough of this sort of co the COVID mentality? You know, it's things are difficult, you know, it's tough out there. It's uncertain. Let's just go make it happen. I mean, honestly, I mean, we, we are, we're all sort of familiar with these concepts of going into the gimba and all of this. But I think sometimes we think of that only in terms of really going out there, find, understanding the technical problems and all that. Oftentimes, I see leaders sort of retreat to their office to try to come up with some kind of a plan. And they're frustrated and all that. And one of the best ways is like, look. Just be vulnerable and be open with your people because you know what? They're kind of looking at you like, you don't have an answer? Like, what's going on? Like, no, actually, I don't. Here's what I do know. And these are the things that we need to come up with together. You know, I, I was in charge of a plant that, that was the worst plant in the company. You heard the story and we turned it around within a year and a half to become the best in every result area and our morale went through the roof. One of the things that I, that I did was I actually had our shop. Uh, folks build me a little $100 uh, desk and it was a roll around desk and I would roll it around to different parts of the plant. I did this for like two or three months and I would just park it different parts of the plant and it had a license plate that said interrupt me, right? So I had my computer there and whatever and people at the beginning were thinking like what the heck is this guy doing? Is he spying on us? But after like literally a few days, it would start getting me involved in what was going on. And, and I wasn't there to give all the answers. In fact, I was there to demonstrate that it's okay for leaders not to have the answers. But I had some questions and we worked together 
And it was an amazing thing. I think when people see that their leaders are willing to just kind of roll up their sleeves and work with them. Yeah. I mean, by the same token, I remember a complete disaster failure when I did exactly the opposite, which is retreated back into my office, tried to be a senior strategist, uh, tried to give direction to other people because I felt I knew better uh, or listening to other people tell me what should happen. And uh, it was a disaster. So I think this, this podcast to me and talking to you and meeting you and listening to you is about lessons in transformative leadership during volatile times. And if this resonates with anybody and they think, okay, I'm not going to be a victim and I'm not going to say my boss doesn't let me do this or my, my colleagues or my you know, people that are below me on my team doesn't let me transform then go out there and make transformation happen. Would you agree? Yeah, you don't have to have all the answers. Uh, to me, it's like, look, you know what? Uh, create the best vision that you can in your, your, your mind and recognize that that's not the final thing. You need to kind of have people put meat around the bones, if you will, on that. But at least recognize that, you know, what people are looking to leaders for, I think, is uh, some inspiration to know that there is something better ahead, you know, because we're all sort of stuck in what's going on right in front of us. We're so busy with what's going on in front of us. Then we drag all these stories that we tell ourselves from the past and we're stuck in that. And then we look at our leaders to kind of get a clue as to whether, you know, what the future holds. We don't have a crystal ball. We look at our leaders because we count on them to kind of <laughs> give us a signal. Is the future better, worse, what? And so for me, it's like it's important for leaders to at least be inspired themselves about a brighter future. We don't have to know exactly how to make it happen, but then get out there and, and really collaborate with folks, invite them to complete that picture. And let's go make it happen. Have some fun in, in the process. Now, last question. I know that you hold the belief that there is a transformative leader in all of us. Yeah. But let's for the sake of argument, imagine that there are people out there that uh, don't subscribe to that or don't buy into that. Uh, maybe they've never really received the encouragement to pursue that side of themselves. So what would you say to them? What advice would you give them to start harnessing that aspect of their personality? Look, I've come across this many, many times. I've, I've done this uh, three-month program that I call the Leadership Academy for 16, 17 years now in my own operations and then for my clients. And you know, we always pick people who have the potential, but don't necessarily know how to tap into it. So people come in, it's like, okay, where do I start? And it, I always think about this uh, saying that great leaders don't set out to be great leaders. They set out to make a difference and they become great leaders in the process. So what we do and, and what I recommend is start with something that breaks your heart. Start with a result or an experience or some kind of transformation that you want to make happen. And pick something that you, I always say, you know, have that you have a 50-50 chance of delivering, not a 10% chance, because that's just uh, disempowering and demoralizing, and not a 90% chance, because then you're not going to really tap into your best self to make it happen, but a 50-50 chance. And then in service of that result, then we offer them uh, training and development and coaching and things like that. So if one of our listeners right now is thinking, well, yeah, that sounds great, but that's just not me. I would really encourage you to pick something that you're passionate about. And I always tell people, you know, if we look outside of ourselves, 
uh, you know, someone who feels like there's not a transformative leader inside of me, they might think, yeah, this other person and the other person doesn't have it either. But I, I challenge uh, folks to always think about the worst performer in their organization. And I guarantee you, even that person, right, is a champion of something in their life because they care about a cause and they have ultimate, you know, passion and enthusiasm for that. So pick something like that, that if I wake you up at two o'clock in the morning, you can say, you know what, that's my thing. I'm excited about this. And then just see the magic happen. That's, that would be my advice on the first step. Before I let you go, because we've reached the end of the podcast, I want to ask you the same question I ask everybody on my recurring question at the end of the podcast, which is about a book. Uh, and I'm sure someone like you, Amir, you know, who has read a lot and has traveled a lot, has quite a number of suggestions. But if you could think of a book that has meant something to you or had an influence on you, both either personal or professional, what would it be? Yeah, so I'm going to refer to an oldie but goodie uh, uh, because on, on over the years, you know, 30, 40 years or whatnot that I've been exposed to different concepts, the, the one book that I want to bring up is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? It, it really, it was not just the book, but the, the training. And I uh, facilitated the, the training sessions for many, many years in different parts of the world. And, and for me, this, the, the content there, because it was, was so powerful, because it really touched on starting with yourself, which is really sort of how I do my work. The foundational work that we do has to do with sort of discovering the seven hidden saboteurs of success and fulfillment and addressing those with, with habits. So starting with yourself, but then talking about the getting beyond private victory, or as you continue to work on private victory, working on public victory. And so this training has stuck with me, the content. I've coached many people I've used and I have uh, fallen off and gotten off track and gotten back on, but it always comes back to me as perhaps the most powerful book that I've read. Amir, I want to thank you for being here and I want to thank you for sharing. And I also want to encourage our audience to check out the Ganat group and check out Amir's profile because I was blown away by your session. And so if you've got content there, I would love people to send people your way. So thanks a lot, Amir. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.